What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to Marketing News Canada. Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Shirley, who teaches marketing at Wilfrid Laurier University and is the author of a marketing textbooks now in its sixth edition. She has an extensive background in sales, marketing, and advertising, and has received the Leadership and Faculty Teaching Award for Teaching Excellence. Shirley, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. So you wrote the textbook. Tell us about the journey from when maybe when you started marketing to the day you wrote the first edition of said marketing textbook. Well, it's a long and convoluted journey because I, back in public school, somewhere around grade four, decided that I wanted to be a teacher. And in particular, as I got older, I decided I wanted to be a high school English teacher. And when I got to university and looked around at some of my classmates, I realized that 90% of them wanted to go to teacher's college, only 25% of them would get in, and only 25% of them would get jobs. And I decided that that was not a good prospect for me. Mm -hmm. And so I changed direction completely, uh, got into a co-op program and started doing some really interesting co-op work terms, including my last three at IBM, where I did a lot of marketing related things. And just decided that that's really what I wanted to do. And I kept pressing IBM to put me in the advertising and promotion department. And they finally did, which was so much fun. I absolutely loved that job. And then I had a chance to go to Japan for two years, which was even more interesting. When I came back, I decided that Having worked for IBM for 14 years, I used to joke and say it stood for I've been moved Mm. because I moved seven times in 14 years. And that's really fun when you first graduate from university. It's not so much fun as you get older because you continually have to reestablish yourself in a new city, find new friends, find a new gym, you know, you start all over. So when we got back from Japan, I decided that I was going to put an anchor around my leg and stay in Waterloo. And that's what led me to teaching at Laurier. And I actually started on a part-time basis and then gradually evolved to full-time and had been approached a couple of times by McGraw-Hill to ask if I wanted to work on a textbook and the timing was just never right. And finally it was. So end of story. That's amazing. So many of our listeners would have read your textbook, had your textbook as a course. Tell us about maybe those that maybe haven't had that chance. Tell us maybe what the textbook is for and who uses it and kind of what level of schooling it's used for. So it's a marketing textbook. At Laurier, it's a third-year course. Some universities and colleges teach it a little bit earlier. 
I mean, it's used at colleges and universities across Canada right now. Uh, it hasn't gone into Quebec because it's not translated into French, but it has really good representation across Canada, including in British Columbia. Uh, one of my former students who teaches at UBC Solder right now is actually using the textbook too, which is very cool to see him get so excited about using the textbook. But originally, I had a co-author from University of Ottawa, and the two of us plotted everything out. Uh, we did the first two editions together, and then he got so busy that he had to bow out. So I've done the last four on my own, but I've kept a real focus throughout on entrepreneurship because unlike the United States, Canada is driven by small business and a lot of entrepreneurial ventures. I had a real focus on sustainability. So every single chapter talks about sustainability. Um, we weave ethics throughout the entire textbook as well. And I just I have a real focus on everything Canadian. So I write opening vignettes for every chapter that focus on a Canadian uh, story and lots of cases, again, that are focused on what's happening in Canada, as well as examples throughout. It's the way I teach. And so that made sense to write the textbook the same way. That's really cool. And tell me when you write a textbook like this, tell me about kind of like the content of it. So it kind of has that longevity. And on the flip side, how often do you end up uh, kind of rewriting new editions? We do a new edition every three years. That tends to be the cycle for publishing companies and also universities, because it's a lot of work to change textbooks when you're teaching. So you'd like to hang on to something for a while. In terms of the longevity and stories, at one point I'd included a social media marketing story in each chapter. It was kind of a pull-out box. Uh, and I realized pretty quickly that they were dated two weeks after I wrote them. And so I stopped doing that. And instead, I talk about social media marketing throughout the entire textbook because it's really become woven into everything that we do. So you can't just pull out one story. For example, if I said the IKEA dress, is it gold or is it blue? You might remember it. But I got to tell you that the students that we're teaching these days, that is ancient history if they remember it at all, if they ever even heard about it. You have to look for examples that are going to have some relevance over a longer period of time. Um, you can use older examples if you show how they changed something along the way. Yeah, no, that is incredible. And when you go to kind of rewrite it, what does that meeting look like? Or what does the planning look like? Or how do you assess what's needed? Do you have like a group? Or I'd love to hear if you can share behind the scenes of the uh, yeah, no, cooking. I, I go through the entire textbook. I look at examples that are no longer relevant. For example, at one point, I had written a, an introductory case about Target when they first came to Canada. The textbook had not even, in fact, it had just come off the press when Target declared bankruptcy. So needless to say, you could use it in the classroom as an example of what not to do in retail, but it had to come out for the next time around. So I look for examples that are no longer relevant. Uh, I look at new trends. So if I see a new trend, I'll make sure that I find a way to focus on it in the textbook. And so I just kind of carefully go through and say, you know, what's dated, what needs to be uh, more relevant, what needs to change a direction. And it's a fun thing for me because I like staying abreast of what's happening in marketing. And I love it when I can bring examples to the classroom that students relate to. It's amazing. And tell me about that balance of both like writing and teaching and kind of what that looks like. And maybe can anyone do that, right? Because that's a, an interesting kind of 
two different worlds. You can, but you have to be prepared to work some pretty long days. So certainly in the early days, it took me longer than it does now, but I would teach two terms of the year, usually the fall and the winter terms. And then I would spend my summer term literally hunkering down, spending some very, very long days to make sure that I could get the first draft done in that four month period. So that when I went back to teaching again in the fall, I didn't have to worry about trying to do two things at once because it is really hard to research and write while you're also teaching. Yeah. So I just managed my time so that I could get the first draft completely done and then I could tweak the final draft and I could maybe update a few little things and then send it off. That's amazing. And I assume you use the textbook in the course you teach. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, Lurie has used it from day one. That's amazing. Uh, and everybody seems to like it. The students like it. The other profs have given it good feedback. And so it's still there six editions later. It's amazing. And how does it work for schools? Like as a professor, you know, and kind of exposing how that world works, how do they choose which textbook to use? And what are the different options? If you don't mind sharing kind of the, who else is out there? I imagine it's probably similar at most institutions. I know at Laurier, what we would do is we would sit down, and this was before I'd written this textbook, we'd sit down as a group and we'd evaluate any of the new textbooks that had come to the market. We'd take a look at them, we'd each review them, we'd put together our thoughts, and then we'd get together and discuss, is there one in here that's a standout? Is it worth changing? Because change comes with complexity as well, because people get tied to their old examples. We had one prop at one point who was still using believe it or not, overhead transparencies from a textbook we no longer used, uh, which is really awful. But, and so we had to try to bring that person along into saying, you know, you really need to be using current materials. Um, and yes, it's sometimes difficult to change. One of the things that people told me when we switched to my textbook was that the change was really easy. So that was great to hear. And I think part of that is the reason why people continue to use it because it's easy to use, it's relevant, it's very, very current, and changing would be really difficult. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what are some of the, when you hear from profs kind of across Canada, what's some of the feedback you're hearing or maybe kind of trends you're hearing in kind of marketing education? Oh, I get great feedback from them. And in fact, a lot of times they'll share an example or they'll tell me, you know, here's something that you really should look at, including in the textbook. And I always look at all of that feedback really carefully. And sometimes I can't include it. Sometimes I absolutely do. But, you know, you have to, you're catering to an audience uh, and the audience is the profs because they're the ones who make the selection of the textbooks that their students are going to use. So you have to make sure that they're going to be happy with it. When it comes right down to it, I have to be happy with it because if it's not something I'm proud to put my name on, I'm not going to include something in a textbook just because somebody says, well, you really need to do this. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And while you're teaching, kind of like stepping back kind of in education and marketing education, you've been teaching for these years, any shifts or changes that you're seeing or anything that you're kind of like, hey, this has been a really interesting kind of shift in marketing education? Well, if I look at the first edition of the textbook I wrote, Twitter didn't exist. Okay, there you go. I think about marketing today, social and mobile marketing is woven into every aspect of our everyday lives. So can you imagine writing a textbook where social media was in its infancy mm-hmm. and Facebook was just starting to be used by some companies as a, well, let's try this out and see what it's like to today. You can't imagine putting together a marketing plan without having a heavy dose of social and mobile marketing in it. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that makes sense. And what are you seeing a difference, maybe even students, maybe like jobs they're looking for or the types of students that are coming in, that kind of DNA? It's really interesting because probably about 10 or 15 years ago, more and more students were saying, I don't want to work for a big company when I graduate. Mm -hmm. I want to do something entrepreneurial, which was great because the textbook was so focused on entrepreneurial marketing and examples of small companies. A lot more students, too, started to talk about how they wanted to do something in the not-for-profit world, which is difficult to address in a marketing textbook because even though not-for-profits have to market themselves, they don't make money. They need to have a zero balance at the end of the day, and it's a little harder to address it. But a lot of them wanted to do something for social profit as opposed to for the big companies that were out there. And that was great to see because their whole mind shift had changed to, I'm not in it just for me, I'm in it to do something better for the world. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. That's really cool. That must be very hopeful for you or encouraging. It is. That is awesome. So when's the next redo of the textbook? What's the timeline for that at this point? Uh, Next summer, 2024, I'll start working on the first draft of the seventh edition. Okay. That is incredible. And do you see ChatGPT and AI having a big impact on that, do you think? Oh, absolutely. Because, I mean, even in the teaching environment, Profs just started to see ChatGPT being used by students in the winter term of 2023. Um, and for some of them, it was a real shock because, you know, they would see papers handed in without any sourcing. Well, you know, the academic world teaches you, you have to use endnotes or footnotes. You have to have a bibliography. Everything needs to be sourced. You can't rely on some outside tool to help you write your assignments. So we're trying to figure out how do you use it smarter? So you can say... To students, for example, go out and do a segmentation analysis and try and ask ChatGPT who the right target audience would be for product XYZ. And then they'll get the result back and then ask the student, now you critique it. How well did ChatGPT do based on what you know about theory? And, you know, did it do it right or what could it have done better? So you still get them to apply the theory. But you're going to have to work with ChatGPT. It's not going away. Much as people are trying to say, well, we'll find ways to ban it. It's not going to happen. Students will find a way to use it if they want to use it. And for you, as a prop, do you think you'll use it to do any of the sections of the textbook? No. No. Okay. No, just check it. I pride myself on, I, I like to write. I like to find examples. I like to look for the unique aspects of marketing in them. 
And I don't want somebody else to do that for me. I mean, that's kind of what keeps the gray cells alive and kicking at this stage. So I want to keep doing that on my own. That's awesome. Are you ready for the rapid fire round here? Sure. Amazing. What was your first ever job? Well, the first thing I marketed was when I was seven years old and I sold pumpkins from my pumpkin patch door to door from my little red wagon. My first real job, though, was at a pizza place in a very small village that I grew up in that had all of 800 people. That is really cool. Night owl or early bird? I'm definitely an early bird. I think that comes from me being from a long line of farmers on both sides of the family. My dad was always up at the crack of dawn, and so am I. Nice. Cat or dog person? I am allergic to cats and dogs, so I unfortunately don't have either much as my son was desperately begging for one when he was little. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Dark or milk chocolate? Oh, dark chocolate. Nice. Absolutely. Last charity you supported financially or with your time and why? I have been a volunteer with the Sexual Assault Support Center of Waterloo Region for well over 30 years. I started out on their crisis line answering calls I've been on the board of directors twice for a number of terms. I've worked on just about every committee you can imagine. And for the last 15 years, I've focused on either the marketing committee or the fundraising committee. And we've run all sorts of galas where we've raised incredible amounts of money for an organization that is not well-funded otherwise. The government, unfortunately, just doesn't give the center a lot of money and yet the need is growing more and more all the time, especially with the hashtag me too movement. Suddenly people said, Hey, this is a real thing and I can talk about it and it's okay. Which exploded the demand for counseling staff and support staff and so on. So that's probably never going to away. And I am probably always going to be involved with that uh, not-for-profit as long as I live. Thank you for sharing that. What is a movie that you just love? You can watch over and over again. Oh, Princess Bride. Nice. <laughs> it is so much fun. Good. Favorite song or album on repeat right now? Yeah, I listen to a really wide range of music. There's nothing in particular that's playing on repeat. Yeah, okay. Lots, lots of different music. If you weren't doing this job, so writing and teaching, what would you be doing in another kind of multiverse? One of the things that I really enjoyed when I was teaching was connecting students with jobs. And I always thought, wouldn't it be fun to be a recruiter? Although realistically, I'm not sure it would have been so enjoyable if I had to earn a living doing it. But I absolutely love staying in touch with students long after they graduate. Uh, A lot of the times they'll reach out to me saying, you know, they're changing jobs or they've been laid off and do I have any suggestions? And that's so much fun for me to see what they're doing in their lives and how they're progressing and Oftentimes, I learn as much from them as I end up giving back to them. So it's win-win. It's amazing. What's an app on your phone you can't live without? Switch. It's an app for charging electric vehicles. Nice. Nice. Favorite children's book? Oh, it would have to be the entire Harry Potter series. Yeah, nice. When our son was really little, he and I read it out loud. And then even as he got older and could read it on his own, we still continued to read all of the books out loud together. And they just, they have a special place in my memory. Oh, that's awesome. Best thing you ever bought for under $10? I would have to say a vegetable peeler that I use probably every day. Nice. Very cool. What's the most important thing you've ever changed your mind about? 
when my husband and I bought a house, our house in Waterloo, when we finally decided that I was going to put an anchor on my leg, we bought this 100-year-old Victorian red brick house that needed a lot of love. So we got into the middle of renovating it, trying to restore it back to its origins, when my husband got an offer to take a two-year contract in Tokyo. Hmm. And at first we said, oh my gosh, we can't do this. We're in the middle of tearing the house apart. And then we stepped back and I said, wait, 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 let's look at it. And we put together a list of pros and cons and the pros far outweighed the cons. And so I approached my manager at IBM and said, I'm going to Japan. Are you going to help me? And it just, everything all worked out. And we went to Japan. We spent two years there. It was a fabulous experience. That's really cool. Business or marketing book outside of, of course, your textbook that you'd recommend? Oh, again, I have so many books on my bookshelf. If I think of the ones that I have recommended the most often, one is called Selling the Invisible by Harry Beckwith. And it's all about selling services, which is very different than selling a product. And I highly recommend people read that one. Another is Biology by Martin Lindstrom. And in fact, anything you can read by Martin Lindstrom, I guarantee you will enjoy it. So Biology is B-U-Y-ology. And it's all about consumer behavior and the things that they buy. Um, The third one would be The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmen Gallo. It is absolutely the best book because so many people do presentations poorly. Um, And this book just gives some really great tips and it bases it on things that Steve Jobs did. And he was obviously a very good presenter. He had a great way of communicating and connecting with people. Amazing. How about podcasts or newsletters that you recommend? My favorite podcast would be Terry O'Reilly's Under the Influence nice. on CBC Radio. And you can get it you know, on Apple and Google and lots of other places, Spotify. But I tend to listen to it on CBC Radio. That's great. Yeah. And he's been a guest on the show. It's been great. Great. Yeah. How about a life hack you'd be willing to share? A life hack? Well, it's not really a hack. Uh, my, my husband and I were hiking in Norway last spring. And we ran into this woman from the UK who did all the same hard hikes that we were doing. And they were pretty strenuous hikes. And then we realized she was 82. And we decided that the secret to staying active is staying active. Mm. So that would be, it's not really a hack, but it would be kind of my advice for anyone who wants to live a long and active, healthy life. That's awesome. And I love this question, especially for you. What do you think are the skills required for students that listen to the show for when they're looking for a job in marketing right now? Right now, honestly, it's all about being an agile marketer. Uh, One of the things that we learned from the pandemic is that you absolutely have to be adaptable and responsive. And the faster you can respond, the better. And lots of small businesses learned that during the pandemic. There was lots of talk about companies pivoting. Um, And you think about it, Disruption is not new. The pandemic caused lots of disruption. It's not new, but the pace of it certainly is. And as disruption increases, businesses usually becomes a whole lot more risky. So the pandemic presented us with the perfect, if perhaps unwanted, opportunity to become a whole lot more agile. So students and even instructors too, we all had to learn to become a lot more agile. I mean, Laurier went from in-person classes on a Friday to online on a Monday morning. Uh, suddenly over the weekend, people had to adjust and say, oh my gosh, <laughs> we're now teaching online. So everybody is learning to be a lot more agile and that's probably a good thing. 100%. Uh, and where can people find you online if they want to learn more or follow you? 
I'm on LinkedIn. I have a profile on LinkedIn. I also have a Facebook, personal Facebook page and a company Facebook page because I still have my marketing consulting company, Marketing Magic. I used to use Twitter, but I was so disenfranchised with what was happening south of the border that I packed it in and shut it down. So I no longer have Twitter. Um, but LinkedIn is a really good place to connect with me because I post lots of interesting marketing stories on it and make comments about it. Most people aren't using Facebook anymore, but some of my students still are, yeah. some of my former students. Yeah. So it's a way for me to stay in touch with them. Oh, that's great. And tell me about Marketing Magic, some of the work you do and some of the clients that you work with. Marketing Magic was a company that I started when we moved back from Japan and I decided I needed to look at life after IBM. And I started out working primarily with small companies who really didn't know a lot about marketing and just needed some good marketing sense, marketing communication plans, you know, figure out how to target the right target market and, and so on. And it, it grew from there because I added a lot of educational components to it. I did lots of training for big companies like Scotiabank and the Stratford Festival and Toyota. I did lots of marketing plans for the bigger companies as well as the smaller companies. But it's been a real mix of both the, you know, implement, roll your sleeves up, help a small company get ahead, and then the education side of it, which it dovetailed perfectly with teaching at Laurier as well. So I, I always used to say I had one foot in the real world and one foot in the academic world, and my goal was to bring them both together. That's incredible. That's so inspiring. I really appreciate your time today. And we asked this offline, but... If people want to pick up the textbook and maybe they never got a copy of your textbook or maybe they never took formal education, where could they get your textbook if they wanted a copy? Well, if they go into a university bookstore that uh, for universities that are actually teaching from that textbook, they could pick it up there. Um, it's probably easier, though, for them to go to somewhere like Amazon and get it there. And it's just called, I don't get to name the textbook, it's called Marketing. <laughs> Sorry, it's not very... Inventive or creative, but McGraw-Hill is the one that actually gets to name the textbook. So if they just look for marketing and my name, Shirley Lichty, yep. uh, they should find it. That's amazing. Thank you for joining us today on Marketing News Canada. Thank you very much for having me. This was Shirley, who was the author of the book and is the author of the book, Marketing, which many of you probably have experienced or maybe are currently experiencing right now in your educational journey. Also, you can find her with Marketing Magic, her work there, and uh, teaching as well. Still teaching, which is incredible and sounds like you are doing some great connections with industry and education. So thank you again for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.